A recent upswing for the cattle markets offers a light at the end of a long and very dry tunnel for Western producers. What might the rest of 2022 have in store for cattlemen? That's today on Field Posts. DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. It's been a long winter for cattle producers in the western U.S. as a historic drought has continued and hard choices have had to be made around herd size. Though some precipitation has come, the overall conditions remain dry. And as supply dwindles, producers see signs that later in the year, prices will likely climb if they have cattle left to sell. Today, we'll catch up with DTN Livestock Analyst Shaylee Stewart to learn more about the latest news and put all of these issues into a wider context. We'll talk about consumer demand and inflation, how feed prices and availability are influencing decisions, and how progressive producers are getting through. Plus, we'll hear an update on cattle price transparency efforts and get an outlook on what might be ahead in terms of summer demand right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. DTN Livestock Analyst Shaley Stewart joins us again today to talk about the latest news in cattle markets, as well as some longer-term trends. Shaley, could you give us the top line readout of, from your perspective, where cattle markets are today and this week and at this moment in time? Oh, Sarah, your timing in recording this podcast couldn't have came at a better time because it has been an exhilarating week. So obviously last week was Easter and, you know, you never know how the holidays are going to treat the market. Either the holiday is going to pass us by, traders are going to be checked out, sale barns don't really see a lot of cattle moving throughout holiday weeks just because it's a shortened time. Nobody wants to travel to the sales and then think about receiving cattle on top of a holiday and be taken away from their families. So typically the holiday is just kind of a funk for the cattle market. Sometimes we'll see sporadic trading on the board and it'll just uh, shoot the market higher. But a lot of the times the holiday week just kind of pass the cattle market by and it's just kind of this grim dismal trading where not a lot happens so last week was the opposite of that reality though last week the cattle market started to build and gain strength and feedlots started to realize that packers were short bought and they were going to need cattle to meet the consumers demand that they're seeing on the retail side of things so that was extremely
extremely positive. And then honestly, that just spearheaded us into this week here present. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. The June live cattle contract has taken out the 100 day moving average, which is huge. It's significant. It really pushes the market to look at things bullishly. And then um, in regards to the fat cattle side of things, we saw a $4 advancement for dress prices, a $1 advancement for live cattle prices. And really the biggest point being that packers are short bought, supplies of market ready cattle are thin and feedlots have a thin window, a very thin window between now until sometime come the middle of May until those calf fed fats are ready. And so feedlots are taking advantage of this opportunity in the market to really push prices higher before the dog days of summer regress the market to lower price points again. An exciting time for sure. And I want to come back and talk about demand uh, a little bit later, but I want to start uh, by talking first about those thin supplies and maybe some reasons behind that. I know that just prior to the last couple of weeks, weather has been the thing, the thing on people's minds, the thing that kind of people are, are concerned about. I think we came into this winter hoping for some drought relief in the West, which is always a hard thing to hope for for cattle ranchers because- Absolutely precipitation in the winter can also be dangerous. Talk to us about how things have been navigated uh, by the industry in the West this year. Well, you hit the nail on the head there, Sarah. Wishing for moisture in the winter slash spring months is tough for cow-calf producers. But given this year and how severe the drought has been, I really encourage each and every one of you to continue to uh, keep up to date on the drought monitor. And as you, if you go and look at that map and that report, you'll see that we are in a severe drought that's really historic and unprecedented. And this market is going to shift and change because of that in and of itself drought. And so as we etched our way through this winter and through the spring now, cattlemen honestly were just ready to take on whatever snowstorm came their way so that they could get some moisture. Because honestly, as we roll into the summer of 2022, last year, everybody was complaining about drought and with fair reason. Reason. But as we look at the summer of 2022, it's going to be even more detri detrimental, even more precious, because we don't have the haystacks to pull from. We have depleted ground that didn't get the moisture and wasn't rejuvenated like many had hoped. And as we look at cost of gains and corn prices and what that does from everybody from the from the grassroots perspective and the cow-calf producers all the way through, you know, the feeding division and feedlots selling fat cattle, they are seeing an increase in cost of gains. They are seeing an increase on their animal units in which they're paying for grazing throughout the summer. Everything is more expensive because we have limited feed resources. And then given that with the geopolitical issues of Ukraine and not knowing what corn is going to do um, globally and the demand in which it's going to reach, it's a very tough scenario right now for cattlemen because they have two things to weigh. They have a short-term perspective that they have to rationalize, that they have to make it through with. And the perspective is, guess what? It doesn't really pencil to have cattle right now, given how expensive cost of gains are, given how expensive hay is, given how limited grass is. But then we know, we absolutely know that based on where we're at in this cow liquidation cycle, in this cow liquidation phase, Prices are going to get significantly stronger toward the later half of 2022 into 2023 and probably into 2024 as we look at what the market does during liquidation cycles and during liquidation periods. So as producers take a, a, a note from a history lesson in that of 2012 through 2015, they're seeing the same writing on the wall. And I'm not going to hang myself out to dry here and say, you know what, you'll be guaranteed to have 2014 prices all over again for your feeder cattle. 
I'm not going to sit here and say that because we're in a different world. We're in a different environment. But when you compare what we're doing with our cow herd, where we sit in regards to drought, the writing is on the wall to see a similar scenario. So cattlemen in the short term are trying to figure out how they can make it through today, tomorrow, next week to be able on the backside of this market to be able to capitalize on those higher prices. That cyclicality in ag is always so pressing, but it's one thing to be able to identify that, yes, ag markets are cyclical. It's another entirely to actually be able to act in a way that takes advantage of what you know about the cycles. I'm curious, as you talk to cattle producers in your reporting, what kind of strategies are people looking at to try and get ahead of this cycle? Honestly, I think the best way to summarize that is they're gritting their teeth. I did uh, some research on drought and how cow-calf producers and how feedlots and everyone basically in the sector tries to get through navigating drought. And I think one of the most um, insightful pieces of information I read was actually from Harlan Hughes of North Dakota State University. And in 2012, 2013, he did a study on an average cow-calf enterprise in the United States. It was a 250 head operation and they were going through drought. And so they basically ran the, you know, analysis on their projected incomes and cash flow here, there. And what the biggest concluding factor in what he was able to show in his reports and in his findings is that actually the biggest hindrance of drought to an operations income is actually the year after the drought. Because think about it, when you're in a drought, what do you have to do? You have to liquidate, you have to get rid of stock. So here we sit in 2022, people are selling cows, they're having calves to sell. And so actually they're seeing more money come into their operation than what they usually would because they have the added income of selling those cows or selling those replacement females that they would usually keep. But as they go into 2023, they're going to have fewer cows producing calves. They're going to have fewer calves to market. And that is when the biggest hindrance is seen on the cash flow side of things. And so I think the biggest thing that producers are doing right now is they're trying to navigate. They're trying to say, okay, we know that interest rates are going to go higher in the near future. We see and we feel the shock of inflation. How much $300 a ton hay can we buy? Can we cash flow to get us to the market where these calves are going to be significantly higher in time? And so again, it's just a balancing act of trying to figure out what they can stomach today, how good of a relationship they have with their banker in order to get them to the green grass that's dancing in the future. I'm curious, as we look to the summer ahead in particular for producers, are you hearing more conversations about things like potential for like emergency hang and grazing or other kind of stopgap measures or emergency measures for producers as this drought has potential to get maybe worse than it is now? Absolutely. I've uh, seen that in Montana, they're opening up some CRP land for grazing and haying. And I think that's phenomenal. As we, like you said, as we go into the summer of 2022, our, you know, DTN's weather uh, analyst, John Branick has flat told us the drought is not going anywhere right now. And even if we do get moisture and ample moisture this fall and this winter, guess what? Next summer, we still have depleted haystacks. We still have limited resources that have been completely depleted to their essence just because we've been in drought for so long. So hopefully more, whether you want to say organizations or government groups will open up those type of resources because farmers and ranchers desperately need it. And you mentioned that a part of this whole equation, just because of the complexity of the cattle production markets, feed prices, corn prices, the global conflict in Ukraine, 
all of these things are, are playing a part in kind of the overall market. Could you talk a little bit more in terms of specifics about how feedlots are managing through this corn being where it is, alternative feeds being where they are, and just even maybe supply chain issues of being able to get the feed when they need it? Are we seeing those affect the markets? Absolutely. And I think one of the things that feedlots have had to do is they've had to become creative in how they feed cattle. I spoke to a gentleman in Tennessee who was able to get a contract of cough drops that were not able to be used in the um, commercial side of the market for human consumption. And so he is actually feeding cattle cough drops finishing cattle on cough drops because there's enough fat and sugar in the product that he's able to finish some cattle on cough drops. And I know that sounds crazy, but given where we're at in the scenario with the limited availabilities of feed, and then if it is available, the just absolutely astonishing price in which they're charging for it, folks are having to get creative. So whether you're grazing stuff in which you've never grazed before, or whether you're feeding uh, feed products in which you've never fed before, I think that's where feedlots are seeing the biggest hit and the biggest biggest hindrance is that they want to buy calves. They see what this market's going to do in the later half of 2022, but it's getting them to that point. And the market has to meet them at a price in which is advantageous and profitable for them to do it then on that backside. And that's really hard to do when your cost of gains are getting upwards of $1.47, $1.50 per day. So feedlots have had to become very meticulous in their uh, tracking of numbers and figures and how they're going to make this work. And honestly, it's not always a matter of making it work today, but sometimes you just do it to get through. That way you can continue to play in the game when prices get better. A lot of creativity there for sure. I'm curious too, you mentioned the kind of mid and long-term effects on the herd size and how, where we are in this cycle, but I'm, I'm curious about the state of the herd right now and where you think it, it's heading in the next 18 months or so, given that certainly the West is, is, dealing with this incredible kind of catastrophic drought. But there are ranchers in other parts of the country who raise cattle as well. Is there any kind of offsetting happening in terms of folks in places that have not been hit as hard by the drought, maybe ticking up herd sizes to accommodate? Or is the West just so dominant that the drought is just having an effect that can't be offset in other parts of the country? I think the biggest kicker here is understanding what our biggest beef producing states are. And out of the 10 biggest beef producing states, eight out of the 10 are in in drought conditions. And so even though you're exactly right, Sarah, in saying that the parts of the Southeast and parts of the East aren't necessarily in drought um, areas, and some of them are actually getting so much moisture to where folks are having a hard time putting up hay just because it's raining nonstop or was last summer for them. They're having a different problem because as we all face inflation, as we all face a market which is not generating profits that exceed the cost of of raising these cattle, they're having to look at their herd and, and answer the same type of questions in which producers in the West are having to ask, but they just don't have the pressures of drought. And so they have an operation, an operating line that's costing them this much, and they have a product that they're marketing which is significantly lower in price. And so they're feeling a pinch just in a little different way. So largely given again that eight out of the top 10 beef producing states are in drought conditions, I'd like to say that, you know, given that the East is seeing moisture and amply that it's going to offset it. But largely, I don't believe it is, again, given that eight out of the 10 largest beef producing states are in drought areas. I want to check in on um, a topic that we talked a lot about the last time you were on the podcast, actually, which is we've in the last 
18 months or two years or so, we've talked a lot about investigations amongst like the big beef companies and the desire to have more transparency for sellers in beef markets in particular. Give us an update in terms of, have you seen those conversations move forward? Are you seeing hopeful signs that maybe everything that the that producers are facing right now, there may be maybe some relief coming through some of these other channels. Absolutely. There's been a lot of uh, discussion on the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act. And so that's basically the combined bill of Fisher and Grassley, where there's going to be a cattle contract library, where they're hopefully going to see cattle priced regionally in the live cattle arena and how they price fat cattle. And there are pros and cons to that bill. Obviously, NCBA doesn't feel comfortable with the bill. The United States Cattlemen's Association fully supports the bill. And our CAF would like to see the bill possess more. And so as I I look at the bill simply as myself, as an individual, I say, you know what, here we have a bill where I understand why RCAF would like to see more of it and why RCAF would like obviously the big four to be broke up and there to be the ability for cow-calf producers and feedlots to possess more leverage of the marketplace and for them to see more of the market's dollar trickle down into their hands. I would love nothing more for than that. And so if that was attainable and if that was an option on the table, I would fully support that. But given that this is the best piece of legislation sitting on the eyes of our congressmen, our senators, anyone in legislation, I truly believe that is something that needs supported and that needs pushed through. And, you know, thankfully with that, there's the ability to mold and shape it as it moves and as it um, transpires into years to come, as we see what's good about it and how that positively affects the market. And then also what's negative about it and what could be stronger and better. So I I do think that is a, it is a positive thing. And there was a hearing today on the cattle contract library. And the next week, the big four are going to be asked to testify why their prices are so much better a minute time when cow-calf producers are liquidating the industry at unparalleled um, levels and measures. And so there's a, honestly, if there's been one good thing of these trying times is that it's been these conversations have become more regular. And I hope more than nothing else that cow-calf producers and feedlots realistically, the United States Cattlemen's Association and RCAF can work hand in hand and not squander this opportunity to get something truly done. We'll be watching closely as those hearings take place and and hopefully get to check back in with you and probably Chris Clayton on some updates on that. But I want to to kind of springboard off that and talk a little bit about, you've touched on inflation and I'm curious from your perspective, talking to producers, how are they thinking about inflation effects on both ends in terms of producers themselves are affected by inflation, impacted by the increasing price of commodities and hay and so many of these critical kind of inputs to their operation, but I'm sure there's also maybe some concern as beef prices continue to go up, as other kind of grocery prices continue to grow up. Summer, big demand period for beef in particular. Any concern that the prices might keep keep demand low or or disrupt this good season that's uh, ahead of us? You know, Sarah, I think that you just completely highlighted the biggest fear of all beef producers. Honestly, high beef prices is not what uh, beef producers want. We want to see prices in which consumers can go to the retail counter, pay a fair price for the beef in which they're consuming, but we don't want to see them be gouged. We don't want to see them be turned away because meat prices are too extravagant. And honestly, it's baffling and it's absolutely blood boiling, curdling, however you want to describe it, to see fat cattle still selling for the $1.30 to $1.40. And yet we have beef prices that are realistically $2.70 for 
choice or a 255 for select is absolutely outrageous. And that is a long-term concern. At some point, the dollars just simply aren't there to go. And so now this problem is being honestly inflated and amplified given that there's not a whole lot for consumers to look at. Obviously we have beef, obviously we have pork, but now that we have the bird flu going around, buying eggs has become difficult. Buying chicken breast has become difficult. Buying anything chicken has become stressful. Thankfully, we're lucky because we have beef to sell, but we want it to be pushed in a manner in which is attainable and feasible. And an option for the consumer. So I think it's absolutely fair to say that high beef prices are concerning to beef producers. And then I'm curious, as you look ahead, given the last couple of weeks in the market and the sense that maybe the big buyers are a little short right now and are interested in in making new purchases and, and the positive gains we've seen on the price side, does that make you optimistic that they are convinced that demand is going to be pretty good this summer and that people are still buying beef and having barbecues and it's going to be a good summer for the cattle industry? Absolutely. I, you, as you sit back and look at what box beef prices are, what the, what beef consumers have gone through in the last two years, you are your jaw can't do anything, but absolutely drop. It's unfathomable the prices that they've paid. And I'm very thankful for, but to some degree you have to look at it and say, how has this happened? How have they continued to support the market? How have they continued to buy the beef and make it all work with guess what inflation going up and our wages, not realistically adjusting to support those prices. And so I am thankful to see that processing speeds have been as as aggressive as they have been in the first and second quarter of 2022. I'm very happy to see that our exports are booming, absolutely booming. And largely, again, that needs to go to the thanks and the contribution of the U.S. calf producers because they produce the best absolute product on the market. And they're seeing that in the prices. Unfortunately, that dollar isn't necessarily trickling down into their hands, but hopefully in the next year, if not two to three, it will begin to. And I think I just have one last question, which is either from your perspective as a cattle producer yourself or drawing from maybe folks that you've talked to who are going who are cattle producers working through this difficult time where are kind of producers heads at right now and how are they thinking about the 2022 season as it ramps up and we come out of calving and yeah just give us a sense of where are we right now and where are we headed right now we are simply trying to buy time and get through But as we look to the long-term perspective of what the market could offer, we are very excited. So the short term is hard. We still have drought conditions. We still have cost of gains in feedlots being anywhere from $1.47 to $1.50. We still have grass that is yet to grow. And if it has grown, it's not enough for all producers that have cows right now. They're having hard conversations with their banks. They know interest rates are going up. They know that the dollars in which they possess simply do not spread across all the expenses that they have. But as we look to the a later half of 2022 and into 2023 and into 24, simply given where we sit with the most basic economics of supply and demand, we are going to have a significantly smaller cow herd and our beef demand has done nothing but continue to grow. 
So as producers know what happened in 2013, 2014, and then in 2015, they are hopeful that this market will deem some sort of that price jump like it did in those years so that they can have a rebound in prices. They can see prices that realistically pay them for the efforts and all the heartache and, and headache that they've gone through in the last two to three years and again be profitable in that marketplace. It's not easy getting to that point in time because like I said, you just simply don't have the resources as we've had in the past. There aren't haystacks available. If it is, it's upwards of $300 a ton. You put that on a truckload as, as full as it'll get. That's putting you looking anywhere from, depending on what they charge you for free, around $8,000 a, a truckload for hay. That's insane. And so as producers have to look at the marketplace like again, like I said earlier, they are gritting their teeth because they see the writing on the wall. They see that the market's going to get better. They see that the market's going to get stronger. But it's that factor of getting from now in this current point in time to that point in time. That's the painful stretch. You can read more about the latest on cattle markets and all of Shaylee's reporting at DTNPF.com or in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Shaylee Stewart. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.